Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Touched by Kalach. Rickson's corner kick. Celtic couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Tail goes to spectacular. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Good to have you with us for another dose of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Episode 32, featuring a chat later on with one of the great characters of football, Charlie Miller. Uh, And we've got another great character back with us. The legendary Spider makes his return. Good to see you, Jelko. How are you, mate? Hello, boys. Good to see you all, mate. Hopefully you didn't miss me for too long. I've had, I've had quite an adventurous couple of weeks, let me tell you. <laughs> so tell us where in the world you are. Mate, I, I'm in Croatia now, but if I tell you the stories of how I got here and the way I had to get to the border in Serbia and Croatia and the guy who drove me couldn't go through because he didn't have a COVID test and then I had to walk like a refugee between the two borders, the peace point. I had to walk through with my bags. Then my cousin didn't pick me up at the right border on the other side. So I was waiting for him on the other side. It was quite adventurous. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, and then it took me a while to get internet. As you know, uh, I couldn't get the internet happening. So I couldn't be on the show, but I'm back. And hopefully we don't cause too much controversy on our first segment back. <laughs> no, that's great, Spider. Um, obviously, you left... Uh, Zanti, just just tell us what happened. Yeah, look, mate, basically we don't know, uh, so I don't have an answer. But uh, look, one door closes, another door opens in football. The other boys are still there doing well and doing the job that we were brought there to do and hopefully get promoted. They had a good win today, so we wish them well and we follow them. And uh, we just look for the next opportunities uh, my way. Okay, and will that be in Croatia, Spider, or will you head back to Australia at some point, or don't you know yet? Uh, at the moment, I don't know. Uh, as you know, with the COVID situation, not very easy to get back home at the moment. So I'm here in Croatia for the time being. And you know what? It's a good opportunity for me to actually probably to have a look around what's happening here in Croatia and just education. It's actually it's actually a good time to do it. There's a lot of football happening. 
So we'll, we'll use it for education and we'll see what, uh, what's next in store. Okay, okay. Well, good to have you back with us on the podcast, that's for sure. Uh, Maury, um, good to see you. What, what uh, have you been up to this week? And I, I see a rouse broken out in Scotland between Celtic and Rangers, inevitably, of course, with Neil Lennon accusing First Minister Nicola Sturgeon of treating his club's COVID breaches differently to those of Rangers players. What's all that about? Yeah, I don't think Neil Lennon was, <clears throat> excuse me, too happy with the fact that Celtic were mentioned uh, this time with a Rangers breach. Five players uh, at a house party, Simon, um, that have been dealt with already by Rangers. Find it's hard to see these players having a, a future at Rangers. Um, previously, there was a, an issue, Edmonston and and Jones, and they were both let go in the window. Uh, no longer at Rangers, out on loan at other clubs. Uh, but I think Neil Lennon was disappointed that, that Celtic's name was brought up in that particular situation. Mate, but like I said, Rangers have dealt with it, and I believe they're also listening to the guidance uh, from government as well. Mm. And uh, Celtic uh, lost today to Ross County, so it's another big step towards uh, the, the Scottish title for Rangers, yeah? Yeah, I mean, look, I've kind of been saying for the last few weeks that um, you know the league 55th title is going to come back to, to Rangers, and a slip again from Celtic away to Ross Ross County. So Rangers had a strong win at home to Dundee United 4-1. So when? When it's going to happen, Simon? The next few weeks, eh? Okay, it's when rather than if. Um, thanks for the moment, guys. Let's get into it then with Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events, broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business-level webcast, please go to streamgate.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. Maury, we're going to start with uh, you for Hard Talk. Um, I saw you did an interview with the World Game website this week. You're quite outspoken in some uh, places. Uh, I, I want to throw a quote back at you. Our game hasn't gone forward. It's chugged away at a slow pace. We should be so much further forward. We haven't been proactive enough. We need to make changes the game is at a crossroads. Strong words. Yeah, I mean, they are strong words, I guess, Simon, for some. Uh, but for us, um, the language has been pretty consistent. Our messages in terms of where the game is, is at in Australia and where, where it should be. Look, we have lacked vision. Um, for me, for, for a long time, um, we've, we've had an A-League that should be, uh, for me, in a far stronger space. Uh, commercially, we're, we're going into uncertain times with broadcast. And I also believe that, you know, the expansion process should have already happened. Um, the National Second Division, which we know, a lot of things are, that we're talking about now need to happen. And my uh, take in this particular article was um, they should have happened a long, long time ago. Um, you also said, and you alluded to it there, that uh, you know the broadcast deal is one of the big issues that needs to be resolved. Um, Fox's deal is up in a few months' time. We've spoken about this before. Um, you reiterated in your view in that World Game interview that you, you feel that, that at the moment that they've held the game back, even though they've contributed a lot. 
Um, Spider, that there is some talk this week that Stan Sports, which of course is one of the new kids on the block, they've taken over rugby, that they, they might be interested in in taking over the A-League. But apparently, according to reports in the media here, only if the game stays in the summer, um, which of course mm. is contrary to what certainly the FFA and James Johnson want. Yeah, that, that was, uh, look, it was great news to hear someone else was interested in the A-League. Uh, the more competition we have, the more dollars hopefully we can generate that can go back to, to football in Australia. Uh, going back to the summer one, it's a tricky one because, again, are we getting dicta- dictated to by the commercial money? And that's the thing that's worrying. Uh, look, we leave that up to the FA. Hopefully they can get someone to come on board and do it in the timeline that Australian football benefits from. Well, it's the clubs, actually. I mean, the clubs will be negotiating this deal uh, for the A-League and and the W League. Um, In an ideal scenario, Maury, what does that deal look like? I know we've talked about this a bit before, but we are getting pretty close now. We're in mid-February. At some point over the next month or two, you'd imagine something has to happen. Yeah, and... and Again, it's only my opinion, Simon, my preference. I think that in terms of our confederation, which is Asia, majority of these countries play calendar year. Um, I think that I think personally that's what I would like to see. Commercially, whether that, that stacks up and whether there's interest um, for that uh, scenario, look, we, we, we don't know yet. I, I also felt the reasoning behind Asian calendar year meant that our players were contracted during the European windows, which would enable clubs to um, to get decent transfers for our players that hopefully we can be able to sell um, now and in the future. Money is always the key, of course. A story on FTBL this week, uh, Spider, the uh, FA presenting... It sounds weird calling them the FA, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, presenting their legacy plan to government in Canberra. That's due to happen on Tuesday. Uh, the report uh, says that uh, they want $16 million in investment f- to start with for a high-performance programs ahead of uh, the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup, of course. Um, that's just the start. Uh, James Johnson reportedly looking to secure a package stretching into the hundreds of millions uh, for things like participation, community facilities, high-performance, and with the goal, ultimately, of a long-term national home of football. And really, that's the level of investment this game needs, isn't it? Uh, because we've been left behind. The other codes uh, have, have always swallowed up all the money. Look, I think it's great. It's great to hear that we're starting to push. And we, we've all said it. 2023 is a huge year for football in Australia. We have the Women's World Cup here. So if we don't push and we don't try to get as much money from the government to help provide better footballing facilities for our, for our sport, how are we going to develop? If we don't do it now, we are never going to do it. Maury, my concern for the Women's World Cup is afterwards, the legacy really should be for the W League. And yet we, we don't have at the moment plans, firm plans at least, in place to expand the league, to go to a full home and away competition. And that's the area of the sport really that should benefit from that World Cup going forward. Well, again, Simon, if you're saying that it's a concern for you and it's still a concern for many in terms of um, the, the, the W League and, and what that's going to look like moving forward, yet we're actually trying to use the Women's World Cup to attract funding um, you know, for these kind of scenarios, uh, facilities, 
and, and all the infrastructure, then that's a concern because what, what is being presented to government to actually get the funding? I don't know is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a tough one, but what, what we need to do better and hopefully James Johnson, uh, and he understands it, we know he understands it, is having better relationships with government. Yep. Uh, we, we've not done that anywhere near well enough. Um, and to be able to access <clears throat> a fair amount of money distributed to our sport, which the other sports seem to have, uh, have been able to get uh, for many, many years. So we wish JJ all the very best with that because we uh, we didn't capitalise with the 2015 Asian Cup, Simon, so hopefully we can capitalise now. Um, James Johnson, not the only person uh, knocking on the door of the Australian government at the moment. Uh, Graham Arnold doing likewise, asking them to provide a hub to get these uh, latest World Cup qualifiers done. Of course, the Socceroos and the Matildas have been inactive for some time now due to the global pandemic. Uh, some talk that they may have to play these matches, some of which were scheduled to be at home, of course, away or, or on neutral territory or even worst case scenario forfeits the games in which case we, we'd be thrown out of the world cup now obviously that can't happen um yeah. but it, it would be nice I, I guess to have a hub here but it's it's tricky with the pandemic isn't it it, it is it is tricky but I, I i tend to agree with graham arnold i think that if we can provide um and we do and 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 have shown experience that we can actually deliver. I think it was quite last minute, Simon, didn't we, when we, we hosted the, the the final part of the Olympic qualifiers. Was it Olympic qualifiers for the, That's for the right. women? Yep. Um, and again, a huge success. So what we have shown is we do have a history of being able to put something like that together. Um, and we certainly want to see, uh, you know, international matches for both the Socceroos and Matildas going ahead. So uh, I'm all for that, that idea. And more importantly, we have shown that we can actually carry this off. Uh, one more on the off-field stuff before we talk uh, a wee bit about the A-League. Um, and we touched upon this last week. Heather Reid voted off the FA board, uh, a motion put forward by Football New South Wales. It passed by the narrowest of margins, 51 to 49, with some abstentions. Um, the Alan Stadgic affair continues to, to damage the game in this country. And I think... I don't know if you agree, guys, that uh, the FA continue to reap the rewards, if that is the right word, of what was a PR disaster at the time. And it's still hurting the game. Yeah. Well, look, I, I don't... Last two weeks, I haven't been around, so I haven't seen much, but I did catch up the last couple of days about it. It was a very close vote. Uh, the Alan Stadjic affair, we need to let it go. It's like a lot of things we keep holding on to. I mean, even Alan Stadges, who's now the head coach of Central Coast Mariners, he doesn't want to keep hearing it either. And mm. I understand that people keep trying to uh, bring bring old things up as a very awkward situation. Now, I don't know the full, maybe Maury will be able to run run down more the how close the voting was, um, but hopefully it's a positive, guys. Uh, yeah, and kind of look where I slightly disagree with you, uh, Spides is is not. I mean, unfortunately, the 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 Stagic situation and the Matilda situation did happen, and unfortunately for Heather Reed, there was a lot of information throughout that whole process that had her finger uh, prints all over it. So for me, it's a right decision. Um, you know, we we need people involved in the game that that actually care about the game. And more importantly, that have that credibility. And, uh, and again, it's not a personal attack on, on Heather Reid. 
But in terms of the future of the game, I would prefer we had people involved in the game that don't do the wrong thing. To be fair to Heather Reid, I know that she does care very passionately uh, about the game. But my personal opinion is that uh, at the time she did the wrong thing. And I think that's uh, very unfortunate because I think she's done a lot of good for the game in this country. But I think ultimately that was um, the correct decision. But I think Spider's right in, in, in one sense that these are weeping sores that keep uh, be, you know we keep picking at the scab because they weren't dealt with properly at the time and I'd, i've said this on, on many occasions in the past people say oh you know football is in australia it's always all about the politics and it's boring and it is but until you sort the politics out the game on the pitch doesn't progress and that's what we have to realize you know the sooner we get all this off-field stuff resolved, the quicker we can focus on the football, which is the important stuff. Anyway, um, let's move on and talk about the A-League. And first of all, uh, pay tributes to Bessart Barisha, who's moved past Rod Brown, famous old name from the past, into second place on the all-time goal scorers list in the National Leagues as Western United thump MacArthur. Um, he's a freak, isn't he, Bessarts? Uh, and probably... Again, an indication as to our failure as a game to penetrate the mainstream. He could probably walk through most high streets in Australia, maybe Melbourne an exception, and, and barely be recognised. Yeah, it just shows, uh, look, he's a goal-scoring machine and he's got the hunger to win football matches. And I, I think young players need to look up to him and have a look at what he does and how hungry he is to score to be successful. Now, walking down the streets of Melbourne, I'm sure people will recognise him because they're football mad. Yep. Uh, other parts of Australia, not so much. But, Simon, you know, the thing is, I thought about this question. I don't know any of the AFL guys. I don't know any of the rugby league guys. So if they walk past me on the streets, I actually wouldn't know them either because I don't follow the other codes. I follow football. Well, well, I mean, I'm exactly the same. I'm sure Maury is too. But I think in fairness, you know, we're in a minority. And I think uh, that a lot of those rugby league players would be recognised in Sydney. They, the AFL players certainly would be recognised in Melbourne. Um, whereas our guys remain on the periphery. I'm not sure we make the most of guys like uh, Bessart Barisha in a commercial sense. It was the same with Thomas Broich and, you know, Alessandro Diamanti, who for me is, you know, one of the great superstars of our competition. Um, and yet, does he have a, a big presence media-wise? Mm -hmm. I don't think he does. And, and, right. and he, he, he should have because he is an absolute gem of a yeah. player, a gem of a professional, and he's, he's got that character. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that can, can really sell. Um, he plays a game with a smile on his face. He obviously was excellent again in this particular game. Simon, I know you're the, the expert in terms of the commentator. You might help me with pronunciation. <laughs> Ika, Ika Guaradzina. 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 Yeah. By the way, what a player. Yeah. What, a, what, what an impact he great made. Great goal, there. huh? Oh, great goal. But even, I think it was the, the, the second goal for best where he gets a tap in, which is... You know, the good strikers are in that position to score. Quick little drag back um, and, and a lot of not a space and all that sort of stuff. But the effort that, that goes and hits off the, the, the post, he, he looks a tasty, tasty player. But best Berisha, unbelievable in terms of Australian A-League and the goals he's he scored. And you're right, probably not everybody in Australia knows him and should. Just talking about the promotional side of it, Simon, that, that'll come down again to money, won't it? 
that comes down to money. What are we willing to spend? What are we willing to get out there to actually draw people to the games? Some of so it. if you haven't got them, yeah, if you haven't got the money to promote these guys, like, I mean, it's crazy because we've, we've had some legend players that have come here. And at the moment, the league is actually dying for people to know that the A-League is around. And anyone who's watching the games at the moment, who's a football fanatic, you can't say the A-League is bad at the moment because it is very enjoyable. Nothing wrong with the football. Um, maybe something wrong with the VAR. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, Adelaide United against the Mariners. Three first half penalties, at least one, possibly two, rather dubious. Refereeing boss Strabre Dilovsky admitting that they got it wrong. And again, I read on social media. And again, the referees are copping a pelting, and I understand that. Um, the VAR just ain't helping, is it, in many ways? No. 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 And, you know, well, we've spoken about it over and over again. I, I actually don't know why they don't can it. I, I really don't understand it because people have more to talk about during the week if there's no VAR. Like this, it's actually driving people insane that every moment, like the, the third penalty for, for Adelaide, like Central that. Coast had a free kick on the edge of the box. So the game yeah. had been played for another three minutes before it went all the way back for a penalty. Mm. Like, it's just crazy stuff, guys. Crazy stuff. And it's the same all over the world, isn't it? And I, I yeah. look, I know some people do like it, and I respect that uh, point of view, but I, I think the vast majority of fans around the world, we've seen enough of this now to know whether we want it or not, and I just don't think people do. But anyway, that's maybe my personal bias. Um, leading on from that, uh, Maury, and we've touched upon this the last couple of weeks, specifically with regards to Europe, this online abuse that, that footballers are getting at the moment. I saw something that Stefan Mork posted, uh, a guy on Instagram telling him to kill himself for, you know, allegedly diving for a penalty. I mean, this, this is disgraceful. And social media companies have got to be held accountable for this. This is on their platform. Yeah, and, and yeah, you're talking about, obviously, the social media company, Simon, but also, uh, I think, governments. Um, the only way that, that people are going to be accountable for their um, faceless actions is to be charged mm. and, and be put to jail. Uh, it's, the only way that, it's the only way that they're going to learn. Um, the online abuse is happening um, every single week, every single day, and not only to sporting people, but to... To, to young kids that are that are at school and um, it's taking people's lives so it, it is a very very serious thing and it, it needs to be acted on and it needs to be acted on yesterday because it, it can't go on like this it mm. really can't and I maintain that um, if we had verifiable identification for social media sites if you had to prove who you were your real name your real photograph even where you work I would go as far as that. That is what's required. And people say, oh, that's an infringement of civil liberties. Well, nobody's forcing you to go on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You don't have to be on these social media sites. It's not the law. Um, so I think that's a nonsense. Anyway, um, hopefully Stefan Mork is okay. Elsewhere in the A-League this weekend, Sydney and Raw drawing a, a blank. Uh, Sydney hitting the crossbar twice. Babo making his comeback. Uh, Ryan Grant uh, playing without the mullets. Uh, he shaved it off. Uh, great to see it's for a good cause for leukemia research. Uh, the Sunday games, um, two all between Wellington and Western Sydney Wanderers, who uh, continue their uh, good recent runs. One or two suggestions that the, the fans 
were harassed a little bit, those Mexican fans who are following Wellington Phoenix around. I think the Phoenix have actually paid for buses to take them down to Wollongong and create some atmosphere for their team, which I think is a superb initiative. Of course, they've got a Mexican player, Ulysses Davila, who they love to go and support. Um, but there is some talk that maybe the Wanderers fans were allowed to stand up and cheer and chant, whereas those Mexican fans weren't. I don't know 100% that that's correct, uh, but if it is true, then that needs to be looked into. Uh, and also the fact that uh, maybe the different sports are being treated in different ways, as we're seeing with the tennis at the moment. Um, one question on field, guys. Uh, Maury, come to you on this one. Melbourne victory losing against the Newcastle Jets, the biggest club in the country, bottom of the ladder. Grant Brevner is in the crosshairs. I don't think there's too much mistake about that at the moment, Maury. No, he's definitely you're spot on there, Simon, because, uh, look, they're at, they're at home and they're starting to get their, their players back fit as well. Um, so they're, they're having a really, really torrid, torrid time of it. I really liked the goal for Newcastle. I thought it was fantastic play. It was a good goal. And a great assist for you because I tell you what, there was some awareness in that reverse pass to Thurgate. It was really intelligent play. Fantastic goal. But Spider, you'll be able to comment a little bit here as well. When you look at Melbourne victory, and no disrespect to Laurie Latanzio up top, that's your your main striker for a club like Melbourne victory. Now I'm delighted that the younger players are getting the opportunity. But in terms of Melbourne victory and where we've previously seen them and the type of players that have filled those positions, they're a, they're a long way off. Yeah, they're they're a mile off, and and this is what what's happened this year, Maury, with the reduction of the salary cap. The big clubs that have always propped up the A-League, like the victories who have always spent on marquee players and bringing very good players to Australia, to the A-League, to their club and had success, uh, they don't have it this year. So they're actually struggling. They've got a new coach, a uh, new system, new identity about the, the backroom staff. So it's big changes for a huge club. And it's not looking great. Even the style of football they're playing at the moment is not great. Like if you, if you watch Brisbane Raw, the way they are playing, they're playing in, in a style that you can see that they're going to get success. Sydney FC, let's not even talk about because mate, they're still a very, very good side is just not winning games at the moment, but creating heaps of chances. Wanderers got a new coach, but they've got a style. They've got a presence about them. Scoring goals. Victory don't look like scoring. And they actually look like they're going to struggle. They, they actually... Very unbalanced to me, Maury. Yep. Interesting. Um, maybe Grant Brebner has only got a few more games to uh, try and sort things out or the Melbourne Victory Board may have to act. That's the reality of the situation when you are head coach of a big club and there is none bigger in A-League terms than Melbourne Victory. A uh, quick word on the W League before we move on. Sydney FC defeating Adelaide by two goals to one. Courtney Vine and Remy Simpson uh, putting the Sky Blues five points clear with just uh, four games remaining. Looks like they're pretty much nailed on for the Premiership. Brisbane Raw having a good run, though. They've won that five in a row now and defeated uh, Perth Glory at the weekend as well. All right, let's uh, head overseas. London calling. London calling. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get moving towards your dream career with a specialist degree in sports, health, physical education, or dance from the Australian College of Physical Education. With an overall graduate employment rate of 90.1% and an extensive industry partnerships network, ACPE ensures you have unrivaled access, learning and support throughout your degree. Head to acpe.edu.au to enrol today and start studying in March. Direct entry and fee help available. Well, uh, before we get on to the big issues in the Premier League, uh, Maury, we had Richard Johnson on last week um, and he's just been appointed this week as the new head of Academy Partnerships at Watford, which is great to see an Aussie in such a responsible role with a big club. Yeah, delighted to, to hear that news for, for Richard Johnson. He, look, he was probably sitting on it. He was sitting on it last week, Simon. Yep. Uh, yep. But look, a great, a great opportunity. Uh, he's worked on the business side of the football club. That's still going to be a part of his remit, but also now crossing over to, to the football which is fantastic. We touched on his career uh, last week and great to see Richard Johnson, uh, an Australian, um, doing well and progressing at a football club and hopefully in a position where he can make more football decisions. Um, So hopefully he'll be speaking to me a little bit more, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) That's very well. Uh, Talking of uh, Aussies overseas or Scozzies, as you probably uh, call yourself, uh, Maury, Stuart McLaren, ex-Brisbane Roar and Brisbane Strikers. Uh, interim head coach of the Scotland national women's team. They've got two uh, big games coming up as well. So congratulations to Stewie, uh, very heavily involved with the Brisbane Raw back in the day. Yeah, and his, his first match, uh, Simon, was a huge 10-0 win against Cyprus. And uh, I believe they played Portugal on Tuesday. Um, so Stuart McLaren, fantastic opportunity for him as interim manager, but certainly hasn't done himself any, any harm with that fantastic first victory. Yeah, 10-0 in your first game. Not bad. Um, Spider, let's talk about the Champions League before we get on to the Premier League. Barcelona losing 4-1 at home to Paris Saint-Germain. Are we literally witnessing the end of the Leo Messi era um, in front of our eyes? He's maybe got one game left in this competition, wearing that those colours anyway. Let me tell you, I watched the game. They didn't lose. They got bashed. Hmm. Uh, P- PSG are just too quick, too agile, uh, too young, too aggressive. Barcelona look like an over-35s team. I swear to you guys, like I, they've been so good for so many years, but to watch them play at the moment, it's unbelievably scary to see how bad they are. And then I think uh, last night they drew 1-1 with Cadiz at home. So you can just see that it's it's all over for Barca. They're, they're not the same. They haven't got the same legs. Their recruitment is going to take time to rebuild. And Messi, he'll be gone at the end of the year. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. He looks like a man that's not interested. And to be fair, maybe they need the money that his sale might... Well, actually, they're not going to get a transfer fee, are they? Because he's, he's out of contract. But um, they haven't got the money, Barcelona, to be able to rebuild the squad because they've lost something like a billion euros due to the COVID yeah. pandemic. So th- these are real challenging times for a famous old club. Um, yeah. Talking of uh, challenging times, in the Premier League, Maury, Liverpool 
What on earth is going on at Anfield? Four consecutive home losses. The first time that's happened since 1923. First Derby loss at home since 1999. First to Everton of any kind since 2010. But what's the reason, do you think? Look, Simon, I can only put it down to the the, the injury toll that the, the club have experienced this season. They, they've had, you know, so many injuries, uh, influential injuries to the team. Uh, they've had a lot of games where they've had to have, you know, central midfielders playing as central defenders. Alisson obviously had a couple of games where, it, you know, he'd done things that he normally would never, ever do. Um, and... and Spide, you'll know as well. Sometimes just that that one link out of out of a chain in terms of your team, um, it can it can have a huge impact. And look, Liverpool have not had one missing Simon. They've just had too many. Henderson picked up an injury again in the in in this particular game against Everton. So it's been a disaster. I think what people need to remember about Liverpool is for three three and a half years they've actually been unbelievable. Um, you know, talking about the successes last season, but even prior to that, winning the, the title and all that, they were playing amazingly well. Just had one better sign, which you would have been delighted with, that was Man City. But it's just all taken its toll at the moment. I think that's really the, the explanation or the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. I actually feel sorry for him because it's incredible. On Wednesday, they were excellent against Leipzig in the Champions League. But it's like what you said, Maury, they've had so much success. It's a little, look, it's a little bit like Barcelona. We're so used to Barcelona being so fantastic. Now we're so used to being Liverpool being so fantastic. Now all of a sudden they're losing games in the Premier League and the world's coming to an end. Like they are human beings. The COVID, you remember two months ago when we were on the show and we said, get ready for a rock and roll up and down season because there's too many games, not enough days to recover and players are getting injured and Liverpool are getting players injured constantly. And you know what? They can't perform to their best. It's it's just the way it is at the moment for everyone. Well, at the moment, uh, Liverpool might struggle to make uh, the top four. West Ham are in the Champions League positions at the moment, putting further pressure on uh, Jose Mourinho by uh, uh, defeating Spurs at London Stadium on Sunday. Uh, the other results, uh, Arsenal nil, Man City won 18 consecutive wins now uh, for Manchester City. They look uh, nailed on for the Premier League title at the moment. And down at the bottom, it's starting to get interesting as well, Maury, because a big win for Fulham over Sheffield United and your old club, Newcastle, um, are in real danger now of going down. Yeah, because they've also gone down today to, to Manchester United. Um, look, Fulham are doing, a, a, I think, a, a great job in recent times under, under Scotty Parker. And their, their dream would have been to try and drag somebody else in, Simon. Try to drag another team in. And they've put themselves in that position now. Newcastle, uh, I think, you know, three points above on 25. And then you've got Brighton as well. So, look, Fulham are a team that showed that potentially they can get out. Newcastle, yes. Yes, they are in real danger of getting out. Um Brighton also. So it'd be very interesting to see what's going to happen uh, in terms of relegation spots. Well, that third relegation spot, I think the two, you know, Sheffield United and West Brom are gone. Mm. Uh, Just before we leave England and talk about Spiders, old club, um, we saw this week a referee, Darren Drysdale, who actually squared up to an Ipswich Town player, Alan Judge, um, who challenged one of his decisions. Obviously, that's not the right thing for the referee to do. I think that's only uh, common sense. But 
I think it sort of underlines just how much pressure referees are under at the moment, guys. I mean, this follows on the back of Mike Dean standing down for a while because of the online abuse he got for a decision that many people viewed as, as being incorrect. Uh, referees are, are only human, aren't they? And at some point, they're going to bite back. Yeah, it's just heat of the moment. Uh, you, you don't think about it, but when someone stands up to you like that, it's just automatically self-defence. I tell you which referees are unbelievable. The German referees do not take any crap. And the German players actually know it. As soon as they come anywhere near, they just pull a card out straight away. And the refs are under a lot of pressure. The VAR's making their job, I think, even harder, Simon. Agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree, Spies. Look, I know it, I know it was the wrong thing, but I, I actually I didn't mind to see the referee just like you know what no no <laughs> out of my face move um it's a little bit of aggression there look it was a wrong thing to do but you're right spite of this you know there's other countries the South American kind of countries as well where um you know a little bit firmer I guess but it shouldn't happen but every now and then you do see it obviously the FA have dealt with it Simon did he get a week he got he got stood down for a week didn't he mm, yeah. Which he probably probably counts himself a little bit fortunate it wasn't longer. But uh, anyway, I I think we all sort of understand that um, uh, human emotion sometimes takes over, even if you're a referee. Uh, Let's finish off this segment, Spider, talking about your old club, AC Milan. They had a massive derby on Sunday against Inter. Uh, Unfortunately, they lost by three goals to nil, which makes Inter now, I would imagine, favourites for the title. Looks like Juventus' domination of of the competition is finally over, at least for a season. Yeah, it's incredible because, and again, I I put it down to COVID, guys. I really do. Milan were looking so good two or three weeks ago. And the last couple of weeks, it's like the wheels have fallen off. And they had a UEFA Cup game on Thursday against Red Star Belgrade. And, mate, seriously, they look flat as tacks. Flat as tax today, Inter bashed them. Like they, yeah. they were just a superior team. I watched the game. Milan had periods of the match where they were okay. Had they scored, maybe they would have got back into the game. But they were just more superior. They were fresher. They were stronger. Um, it's just taking its toll on these players. I feel for them because they've had such a good season, but it looks like they're going to. They're going to drop short uh, that we beat. Inter looks strong. And I think Juve are way too far back to catch anyone now. I just want to touch quickly. You talk about sometimes a player not making it at one club and being hugely successful at another. Lukaku, yeah. I believe that's the, the, the fifth derby uh, consecutively that he's actually scored in as well against uh, AC Milan. So Lukaku's form since he's gone to Italy has been incredible, hasn't it? Maury's a beast, huh? He's like he was a beast at Man United, but seriously, he bullies them here in Italy. Uh, he's just—I think he's developed more tactically here as well in Italy, um, and just knows where the goal is. In Italy, they work a little bit different because the team sort of works towards the nine, so he gets the opportunities. But what I like about him is he actually creates chances himself as well. Like the the third goal he scored, he picked it up at halfway. And, man, it was just a great finish. I think he's developed even more as a player. There is some talk. He may be at Manchester City next year, which would be very, very interesting given his uh, United links. Um, thanks for the moment, guys. Let's move on to our final segment for today. And we've got a real character waiting for us in Footballers' Lives. Footballers' Lives.
Well, our special guest today on Footballers Lives was born in Glasgow in 1976. And according to his wiki page, he grew up supporting both Celtic and Rangers. He began his playing career with the latter, spending six years with the Light Blues and winning three SPL titles and a Scottish League Cup. In 1999, he joined Leicester on loan and then he signed for Watford. A year later, he was back in Scotland with Dundee United. And after four years at Tannadice, he headed overseas to Norway with Brun and then Belgium with Lierse. And then, of course, here to Australia to play for Brisbane Raw and Gold Coast United. He finished off his playing days, which also included a solitary cap for Scotland with a handful of matches for Clyde. He now runs a football academy in Scotland. It's a big podcast welcome to Charlie Miller. How are you, Charlie? All right, guys. How are we, Simon? Very good, mate. Um, is that right that you supported both Celtic and Rangers, or is that just a Wikipedia myth? Wikipedia myth, because I also get four league titles as well. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> we miscounted one. You miss, uh, and it's a big one as well. It yeah. was a fucking thing. You miss, you miss counting. Hey, language, Chico. Yeah. <laughs> it only, it only, only took one minute to, to get the first F bomb out there. <laughs> Apologies for that. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, that, that was the nine in a row um, uh, title, wasn't it, under Walter Smith? Yes. That, that was a... probably the third one. That was that wasn't a bad one. I carried Craig for the first three years. Look at how skinny he is and how fat I am. I, I, it was with Rangers that you, that you made your name, Charlie, uh, playing in that nine in a row team under Walter Smith, um, playing in the Champions League at the age of 21 against the likes of uh, Juventus and Borussia Dortmund and Ajax. You, you had the world at your feet in those days. Well, I did have a world at my feet, yes, but um, my feet became very heavy because I went on a tour with Andy Gorham <laughs> and I, I put a lot of weight on. Right. <laughs> I went for two weeks to Hong Kong and it was the end of me. Oh, but it, they were great days, mate. Honestly, it was it was surreal. A wee boy to Glasgow playing for the team we wanted to play for and mm. <clears throat> excuse me. And then actually getting to play with likes of Gascoigne, um, McCoyst, Haitley, Loudrop, and of course Craig Moore, one of my best friends. Um, was was the two-all draw against uh, Dortmund at the Westfalen Stadium in 1995? Was was that your best performance in Europe that you played in it for Rangers? I was only 19. I was only 19 then, by the way. Hmm. Charlie, 19. was that the frozen pitch? Was that the frozen pitch in Dortmund? The frozen pitch, yeah. That's how Andy Moller couldn't get near me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was yeah, his ice skates and I was wearing pimples. <laughs> Because they had some team in those days. Dortmund had uh, Riedler, Stefan Klose, who of course later came to play for Rangers, Stefan Freund, Andy Moller, Patrick Berger, coached by Otmar Hitzfeld. So to, to go there and, and get a two-all draw in the Champions League, and you, as you say, well, you're still on the as well. We should probably hmm. beat them at Ibrox as well. And I still to this day, I believe the best player I've ever been against was Andy Moller. Um, it was... An unbelievable football player. It was coming to the end of his days and he was playing a week against a big guy for Casimo in Glasgow. And he didn't really care about me. He would just run past me. Um, he was a sublime football player. And it was great. Just as I said, we drew two each in Ibrox. We were 2 0 down. Uh, I think Fergie and Ian Ferguson scored the first goal. I might have got equalised. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, they, they did a great team. Jurgen Koller was centre back. Samar was playing. 
Um, so they're not bad. The, I, I, the year after they won the Champions League, I think. That's right. I think it was 97, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, you said you played alongside Paul Gascoigne. G- give us your, your best Gazza story. <laughs> uh, Craig just told me, hey, no swearing, that's why it's impossible. <laughs> 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 well, go on, we'll forgive you a swear word, <laughs> given it's Gascoigne. Hey, I'll drink a Foster's first. <laughs> I'll tell you there's a million Gaza stories there's a million um, as Craig will tell you he's, he was the greatest guy in the world he was such a great football player um, and being in the changing room with him <laughs> anything could happen anything could happen but I'll, during the, the conversation I'll, I'll tell you two or three about him but just I'll give you the wee I'll, I'll be quick one about him just when we were going to Edinburgh there was me Craig and Gaza and the boys were playing cards in the bus and Gaza was going down to um, Newcastle after the game, but we were playing in Edinburgh against Hearts or Hibs. I can't remember who it was at the time. So Gaza had said to the, the physio, any chance you can drive my car to Edinburgh so I can drive it down the road after the game? The physio was like, no problem. So it's an 850 BMW and our physio is driving this car up the M8 and Gaza, while we were playing cards, Gaza decides to phone the police and see his car's been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gordon Allison driving up the road, driving up the road in the 850 BMW, the, the reform, whatever it was. <laughs> Polis, wee, 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 pull him in, <laughs> pull him into the side, and Gordon Allison, the physio. Um, how can I help you, officer? Uh, we believe this car's been stolen. It's been reportedly stolen. God and Alice is like, no, I swear it's not been stolen. I'm just driving up for my friend, Paul Gascoigne. He's like, Paul's like, I sure your son. <laughs> sure enough, God and Alice and the physio says to the police, there, there's his number, phone him, and we're on the team bus heading up to <laughs> heading up to Edinburgh. And the police phone Gaz and Gaz goes, never heard of him. Never heard of him. I um, <laughs> don't know who he is. He's been stolen. <laughs> So you can imagine, you can imagine Gordon Allison. Craig will know Gordon Allison. Craig knows Gordon oh. Allison, obviously, as of a physio. He was a fucking hopeless physio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his breath wasn't as bad as Craig's. And he get caught, caught pinching burner breath, by the way. <laughs> so, Gaz is on the phone to the police. He said, never heard them. Who are you talking about? Who? Never heard them. But five minutes later, Gaz has had to say to the police. Yeah, yeah, he was driving the car up. But imagine doing that nowadays. Oh, dear. He'd get to jail for that. Gaza would get jail for that. It was just off the cuff. He was just sitting in the bus. It was just a, a wee quick one about him. But uh, off the cuff, he, he was an amazing guy. And on, he was a sublime football player. And mm. I just hit, read today that he's taking part in the Italian I Am a Celebrity. Oh, see that he's, he's taking part in that he can't even speak English and he's taking part in the Italian I'm a celebrity <laughs> honestly <laughs> he bewilders me this character honestly he's a blind football player but it's a blind idiot you stay in touch with him Charlie uh, yeah see him now and again he's got about 4,000 different mobile numbers yeah. so it's whatever it's a toss up and I've not got that many coins to toss it up that much because I have to buy beer so <laughs> Um, I, I see him now and again. I speak to him now and again. I done it last year. I think it was about a year and a half ago. I done a, a wee night with him and uh, 
the hotel in Glasgow and he was in fine form and he was still doing great. And but honestly, guys, you'd have to Craig can tell you, you'd have to actually been in the changing room to believe it that you're actually in the changing room with Gascoigne, McCoy's, Hatley's, Gorham's, Goff's. I, I just couldn't believe it. Being a wee boy for Glasgow, it was sublime for me. And Trevor Stephen, I was an Everton fan when I was a kid as well. That was my English team. And I was playing with Trevor Stephen. Honestly, it was. And then Lowbrook turns up, Alberts turns up, Marco Negri turns up. I'm like, what the fuck? Excuse me. <laughs> that's that's but, three in the swear jar, Charlie. I know, I know, guys. I know. Craig will have to put it in for me because I'm just, I'm drinking Foster's. That's how skint I am. <laughs> hey, but Chico, you, you touch on some players, and I think one of the questions here about when, when Fergie come through, but he was a little bit, Barty Ferguson was a little bit later to you. I've always felt personally that Gascoigne, unbelievable player, was world class. But when he come to Rangers at that particular time, you were also flourishing as a, a very promising young player playing first team football. So as much as it was great that Gaza uh, come and done well at Rangers. Do you feel that it probably stopped your progression in terms of what you could have achieved at Rangers at that time? Well, you know as well, anybody, Craig, it, it stopped my progression. Of course, yeah. that, because I went playing a 4-4-2, a full season before Gaza even came, and and I'd played win the league that year, and and then a superstar arrived. Then we changed the system from 5 4-4-2 to 5-3-2, and... Next minute, I'm playing wide in a three or wide in a five. Or... So, yeah. of course, it's not my flourish, uh, me flourishing, but my off-field my off um, banter didn't help because you were a big part of it. <laughs> 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 no, but he was, he was just a wonderful football player. But my problem was that I had my friends were Rangers. My Rangers teammates were my friends, so I could go with them. And then yeah. I never forget my friends in Glasgow as well, so I would go with them. So I, I had maybe two or three nights out as the yeah, rest yeah. of the boys, for instance, Craig would go like, oh, knocked in the head. Not very often, right enough, but he knocked in the head a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you only, as I said, won the one cap for Scotland. And Craig Brown, who gave you your debut, um, he, he went public after that game, which I think was against Poland. Poland, uh, yes. Yeah. It was an he, epidemic in Scotland. Nobody wanted to fly to Poland. <laughs> so you got the call up. Honestly. Yeah. Um and Craig Brown said that your your technical ability was was unquestioned, um, but that your stamina wasn't there. You you played only 56 minutes, your fitness wasn't there. Was, was that a recurrent theme throughout your career? Did your off-field um lifestyle, if we if we can put it that way, hinder, hinder your help. career? It yes, it doesn't help me smoke 20 fags a minute and 45 beers as well. No. I, Honestly. As he takes a sip of Foster's. Yes, Foster's, <laughs> obviously, because I'm on Aussie TV, man. Aussie TV. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, people didn't realise where to play me. When Gaza came, it killed me at Rangers. It really did. It hurt me badly at Rangers. I was as fit as anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would run as much as anybody. Um, but when... People keep on. Walter Smith, the worst thing Walter Smith ever done, said to me, um, and he brought me through. Made the, he said to me, come into the office one day. I came into the office and says, um, don't think you're Loudrop or Gascoigne. And I never believed that that I was Loudrop or Gascoigne. I believed I was Mon player. And me and Craig came through at 17, 16, 17 Rangers. And I knew what I could do. Craig knew what I could do. 
and it was the biggest kick in the, the balls I've ever had, actually, because I didn't want to be Gascoigne or, or Loudrop. I just wanted to be playing the team and be allowed to play. But when you have to get the ball and the manager says to you, don't think you can play them, just you get the ball and give it to them, that, that hurt me. Because I knew technically I was very good. Um, I could play a pass. I could. I, I, bel- I believed I could do anything, though. But yeah, obviously. Did that uh, hurt your career, wise, Charlie? Did that hurt your career? Me? Did that hurt your career? I mean, mentally, yeah, so it sounds me, as though actually, you needed a while me. to recover from that. No, well, the biggest one was when we were in the Fox Downs incident. And after it was my birthday, my, I guess my 19th birthday, we drew one, one each with Celtic at, at Ibrooks. And we all went down to the Fox and Hounds. And we were just having a, it was a one each draw, so there was no problem. And in the Fox and Hounds bar, it was a great day, a great night, I mean. And there was no problem. Then one idiot comes in and causes a causes a riot. And the rest is history. I was on the page of the paper for days and days. And Craig had to drag me off a guy, unfortunately. And he'd have broken foot that day. I think he broke his foot that day oh, as well. Like, I broke my foot, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so um, I was actually glad he broke his foot because the guy was going to beat the shit out of me. (laughs) 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 So, no, but after that, then I I started every game that season to to that day, and then I never played again that season. Walter dropped me out of that. Dropped me out of that. Never played. I wasn't even on the bench again that season. I trained with the boys every day. Never got on the bench, and that's heartbreaking. As a young boy, I was was my... I think it was my 19th birthday, maybe my 20th, and I was still a kid, and I didn't realise what I was doing wrong. I, I honestly didn't know <laughs> that yeah, yeah. being involved in a stupid fight, whatever, was obviously it's no good for publicity for Rangers or myself or for the players, but Walter just dropped me completely, and that was the most disappointing thing, and and I, I love Walter. I really do love Walter because he gave me my chance, but I, I think it's players differently, not equally. And yeah. he never put his arm around me and went, right, me man, stay this, stay that. See, what I've done that to me, I'd have been like, right, okay, he still believes in me, he's, he's got thoughts mm-hmm. on me, but just to drop me right out of the squad. And then Alan McCoy pulls his calf in the, the warm-up in the cup final that year as well. And it's me and Durante in the, we, us two were in the stand and Jimmy Bell runs up and grabs Durante. And oh, Durant was an unbelievable. He's my my hero, Duranty. But Jimmy Vale comes up, the kit man, and next minute Duranty's on the bench. Um, just just small things. I just thought, and then they played Clyde during that that year we won the Scottish Cup, and that we were losing one 0 and I scored two goals to put us two one up against Clyde. We were losing one 0 to about sixty odd minutes, and I scored two goals to make us go two one ahead. And I thought, right, okay. And I'm working hard every day in training. And I just felt as if Walter just kind of let me go to the side. Never spoke to me. Never told me why I'm not playing. Yeah. I knew the reason. But I ended up getting not proven and uh, not guilty for my assault, what I supposedly had done about a year and a half later. So that was always in my mind. And But that, that hurt me hard. That was difficult. Mm. But Chico, on a, on, on a positive note, I mean, obviously, the, the, the category that you fell into under, unfortunately, is because you're a very attacking player that could make, thing happen, make things happen, obviously, in the final third, yeah? Great, great burst and runs from, from central parts of the field. You had that attacking 
Nous and, and know-how and Gazza and Laudrup were those kind of players. But on a positive note, Rangers, we win nine in a row away to away to yep. Tanadice. Um, yep. and, and Charlie Miller out in the wide left with a left foot that people didn't <laughs> think that he had. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What, a, what a night that was and what's your memories of, of nine in a row season and that particular game at Tanadice? Well, obviously the Monday came, we played Murrowell and we lost 2-0. And I was in a car yeah. crash in the Monday, remember? I was in a car crash at um, Strathclyde Park. Through the back of the traffic lights? No, no, I went, I went straight through the, the roundabout. The, the, the brakes had given up and I just went straight into a, a verge. And Walter thought I was lying. Um, and then I wasn't in the squad against Murrell that day. We lost 2-0. I was the only guy in the stand hoping Murrell beat us. <laughs> <laughs> when, you're not, you're not part of, when you're not part of it, you, you, you honestly, you're a selfish, you have to be selfish. Football players have to be selfish. Um, sometimes I was like, I might get a wee chance, I might get a wee chance. We lost 2-0 against Murrow that day. And then the Wednesday night, Walter named the team. And from nowhere, I was in, I started. And I crossed the ball in for Loudrup to header the ball. And Loudrup had never headed the ball in training. Never headed the ball in a changing room. Never headed the ball at head tennis. Honestly, Loudrup was ridiculously good at football. But he never headed the bloody ball. But I went and whipped the ball with my left foot and it smacked him in the head because he was running, trying to run past the bastard and ball. <laughs> and it right in the top corner. <laughs> I'm not joking, honestly. Um, and Andy Gorham was sitting in Ireland. He was sitting in Belfast <laughs> with a ski mask on and a gun. Um, I'm only joking, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> he was sitting in Belfast listening to the radio saying, a challenge my left foot cross and a bright little header. No chance. So <laughs> that's what happened. The Wednesday night at Tanadice, and I ended up going up to play for Dunyaita after that. But um, it, it was a surreal, so surreal for me. Obviously, he was involved in it, and it was great to be part of it. And seeing Goffey cry, me and, I, I think me and Craig and maybe Derek McInnes, the younger ones, we take it for granted because we just expected to win every year. And we didn't realise how important it was. Well, I didn't realise how important it was because um, I just thought we'd win the league every year. Um, but seeing Goffey cry that day and seeing the achievement and Big Mark Hitler bought a, bought a drink that night was unbelievable. Um, he bought a drink in Reds. <laughs> so that shows you how important it was. Charlie, uh, you mentioned you went on to play for Dundee United. You probably had the, the most settled spell of your career at, at Tanadice. You were there for quite a few years. And then you, you moved on to Norway and to Belgium. And then, of course, uh, why we know you, particularly here in Australia, is because yep. you came to play in the A-League, signing for Brisbane Raw. Yep. Um, oh, the what, what, that was actually my life. That was the best time of your life, was it? Was that the because... Time, yeah, go on. Sorry to say, sorry, Paul. I was just going to ask whether it, Maury was the, the, obviously the, the big influence in that decision or whether you just decided you, you, know, you fancied a bit of sunshine. I don't no, know. No, definitely not. Um, mm. I, I was supposed to go to Central Coast Mariners with Fergie. Uh, we'd agreed a deal. And then Fergie phoned me back. And I, Craig had phoned me and said, would you come over? And I said, I've just offered phone to with Fergie and I agreed a deal to go to Central Coast. And then Central Coast, uh, Central Coast came back the next day and they moved the goalposts. So I said, I never mind it. And I phoned Craig and then Craig said, ah, we'd love you to come over. Um, and it was the greatest choice of my life. And Celtic just lost one now, by the way. Celtic just scored, did they, Charlie? Finish one now. Finish one now, did it? Ross County. Oh, my God. 
That's because they arrived on five buses, obviously. Um, so tell us about your, your spell. With... You don't lose to us, don't you? <laughs> tell us about your spell with Brisbane Raw because you scored in your first four matches. I mean, you settled in straight away. It was easy to settle on. I'd arrived and one of my best friends in the world was the captain of the team. He was a football hero in Australia. Um, he's a, such a good football player. So it was his turn to look after me. Um, and they picked me up at the airport. After I think it was Neil Heron organized my flight from Glasgow to London, London to Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur to Melbourne, Melbourne to Brisbane. I thought I was in Australia five times. <laughs> Honestly, it was the journey from hell. So I ended up seeing my pal in Brisbane Airport and he takes me down to his house and I see his house and I thought, bloody hell. No wonder he was sending money home at an early age. Again, I see this big mansion. <laughs> and I think, well done, son. Well done, son. Swimming pool and all that. He'd never been in it. Look at him. He's never been in his back. He's that way. Um, so then that night, he says, we're off a weekend. So he takes me to the boardwalk bar. And that was us for two days. <laughs> Boardwalk's so, a local, local, local tavern where we live, Simon, uh, in, yes. in Hope Island. Yes. Oh, it was magic. I've, what I've heard of the boardwalk. I've heard of the boardwalk. Yes. I, I, I used to hear about it, but it was... The football, the but football then we went side. To Sunshine Coast. Uh, Sunshine Coast, but football side, as Simon touched, you, you hit the ground running. You, um, you technically, obviously, was never an issue. And uh, how did you actually find the standard of the the A League in Australia? How did you find the standard? Personally, I, f I found that Australians were always good defensively. I think it's like Scotland, the way we are now. We, we fail to produce a superstar as in up the top end of the field. Um, I think Australia are always well organised, as in the national team as well. Yeah. I just think he's you lack your David Coopers or your Paul McStays. You, you lack somebody up further up the field. But I think when I went to the A League, I knew everybody was going to be fit. Always fit boys. I knew I played with Richard Johnson in Australia. I played with yourself, and I knew yeah. you were fit boys. So I, I knew right away you were going to be fit boys. Um, but I'll, I'll I think the A-League, the problem is that they lack the creative guy up the top of the pitch. And I think I've, I've done okay because I think some of the defenders were seeing this wee fat guy going, he can actually pass the ball or he can actually beat somebody and they were kind of shocked. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was always a good standard. Um, some great young players coming through. Obviously some make it, some don't. But I, I loved every minute. I, I really did. And I love Frank Farina. And, How did you uh, find playing in the heat, Charlie? <laughs> I didn't run back very much, size. So how did you think? <laughs> I scored that volley against Perth, and it was because I had sunstroke, I think. And it was like <laughs> what, the volley, what a volley that was. That was one of the goals. I mean, I still see it uh, flashed up in, in, in Australian A-League moments. It was a fantastic... I mean, technique, we know, like it says, is, is different class from yourself. But execution... It was a wonderful goal. Okay, can I just interject there? Because that is actually our Twitter question of the week. $100 voucher for Outback Steakhouse goes to Oscar Sullivan, who asked this. How did it feel to hit peak performance at the exact moment you scored the greatest goal in A-League history from Michael Zullo's cross against Perth Glory? That's how he's described it, Charlie. And I, I agree with him, but it was a total missed cross from Michael Zullo because he could <laughs> never do that. Zullo's <laughs> <laughs> could they do that. Love the wee man. Love him a bit. But he definitely didn't try and hit me because he couldn't <laughs> kick the ball that far. 
<laughs> but I'm glad to see the young boys. A lot of the young boys have done well since we left with Tommy Orr, uh, Mike Rizzullo, yeah. um, we Mitch Nichols and all that. The boys have done well. Even we Robbie Cruz, I'm glad to see they're all done well. And it was great to be part of it. Not that I helped them, but um, I, I believe that the wee guys listen to sometimes and it was great to see some of them doing well. I couldn't believe I seen me Robbie Cruz and Mitch Nichols and Tommy on the national team and that. I thought, brilliant, great, great, honestly, guys. Um, so so proud of the wee boys. And even though I, I stuck one on me, Robbie Cruz. <laughs> You stuck, <laughs> you stuck one on Robbie. No, you've, you can't. You can't just leave that there, Charlie. You've got to tell us that. Story. Well, yeah, I get two. I got a two game ban. Oh, that was that yes, when he was at victory. Yeah. There was no history. There was no history between you and no, Cruz. No, nothing. They kept, they kept on calling me a fat bastard during the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "You call me a fat bastard once more, I'm going to smack you." And they went and done it once more, and I smacked him. <laughs> <laughs> And I love Robbie Cruz as well. And then up at Brisbane, we're playing a game against Melbourne and his brothers were wanting to fight him. And I'm wanting to attack his brothers in the stand. They were wanting to fight him. I'm like, come outside, come here. Oh. <laughs> we, you Honestly. know, we, we had Robbie on the podcast, I think about two or three weeks ago. <clears throat> and he was very, he, he told a very much different story, Maury, didn't he? He was just like, no, no, just one of those things, you know. <laughs> yeah. He was very diplomatic about it all, but uh, that's the real story. Oh, I love him. I love Robbie Cruz. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, dear. Um, Charlie, uh, obviously you had Maury there when you were at Brisbane, which uh, helped you settle in. Um, there were one or two others that arrived afterwards as well. Big Bob Malcolm came over yep. from Scotland. So it was... There, there was a big crew of you. You, you must have had some um, epic nights out, I would imagine. Oh, well, Danny Teato, who I love. Danny Teato, I love Danny Teato. Even though he's got the biggest nose I've ever seen in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the biggest nose I've ever seen. Um, and then we had Liam Reddy with the biggest steers. Just put the two together and the biggest elephant in the world in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> my ass, his nose and Liam Reddy's ears. And you're the biggest elephant you've ever seen. I swear, yeah, I loved it. Me, Matt McKay, I loved them so much. I swear, Massimo, we Massimo. I used to go in every morning and think to be Massimo, 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 Massimo. I used to go in every morning and say that to him. And I don't know if he fucking liked it or no, but I just loved the guy. <laughs> they were infectious on me. We'd look to Ver and all these guys. I swear, I, I, my, worst, my worst decision ever was signing for. Gold Coast, it breaks my heart still to this day. Because I, I, I just thought when Costa Coglo came in, I thought it was what he get rid of everyone, but he didn't seem to want to be get rid of me for some reason. But he didn't. He wanted one, you to stay, did he? I don't know. I didn't give him a chance to ask me, but he seemed to play me and didn't play the other guys. And he fell out with Craig, and as soon as he fell out with Craig, that was. And as soon as Frank goes out, that, that broke my heart. So, because we were close, we were we were a strong team. And, I, I, that first year we would have won the grand final if I didn't. We were close. We were close, Chico, weren't we? Had a good side. I done my, well, I done the. I got a double hand there after. That's right. Because the wife wasn't hey, there hey. for six weeks. That's what happens. Six, wife's not there for six weeks. Double <laughs> hand there. Hey, Chico, talk, talk us through. You're saying it broke, it broke your heart to leave Brisbane Raw because we did have a very good squad. We had exciting young players coming through, uh, played a decent brand of football. You, you signed with Gold Coast. Um, and, and, and Miran Blyberg um, was obviously running the show there at Gold Coast United at that time. 
talk us through that experience and what it was like at Gold Oh Coast. my word. <laughs> they have to start, have we got an hour and a half here? <laughs> God almighty. I'm not joking you. Miriam Blyberg could talk more shit than 10 asses put together. Right? <laughs> but he wasn't a bad person, Miriam Blyberg. He was definitely not a bad person. I actually liked him. But he loved Jason Kalina, which was like, I'm like, okay, he's not a bad player, but fucking hell, he's a, a certain midfield player, right? And then you had the guy that owned the club, which is named Clive Palmer. Yes. I think my first game was away from home against Newcastle Jets or something like that. And I came onto, the, onto his jet after the game, and his big fat Eddie Kelly was hanging out, and he had the Australian uh, national team top on, and, and he had the biggest coffee stain I've ever seen right in the front of it. Well, I hope it was a coffee stain. And it didn't wipe his ass with it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, look at the state of this guy. And his wings are running about trying to say hello, dad. And he's like, off you pop, off you pop. And I'm going, oh, this guy's embarrassing, man. And I just realised I'd made a mistake there and then. Um, even though I had some, some great boys over there, there were some great lads and that, but um, I missed Brisbane. I missed but my, my best mate was already away. Teach kind of chucked it. Um, Foster Coglu was making changes and oh, fucking hell, he made the changes for the best. To be fair to the guy, he was he done very well. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, your, your time in Australia after that uh, came uh, to an end. Were you, were you sad to leave this country? Would you have liked to have, um, you know, stayed longer, done different things? Or was it time to go? Never time to go, but if I didn't leave Brisbane when I did, I'd probably been still be in Australia. I think, mm. obviously, mm. the situation be great. I, I I made a mistake with jumping ship because my best friend had left. He get pushed out the door, and it, for me, wrongly, because uh, we that I don't know if Craig's ever told you the meeting. I don't know if I should maybe say it, but I'm going to say it anyway because you won't be able to truthful. <laughs> um, hard lines, Craig. <laughs> um. And Ange Postecoglou had a, a meeting the first day he came in and he said that Craig Moore's not a good example for the young boys. And first and foremost, I stood up and went, no, I think you're talking bullshit right away. I think he's a great example for the young boys, what he's done, what he's ever. And then Danny Teata walks in, bouncing the ball right in the middle of <laughs> Danny Teta walks in, everybody bounces the ball in the middle, goes, what's happening here? Just walks in, bouncing the ball. All right, what's happening? And I'm going, holy shit. Brilliant. Danny Teta, and then Danny Teta's like, I'm not going to be here with this dick either. But, personally, I don't really know Foster Cogler, but he was fucking successful and he'd done the right things. And mm. But getting rid of my friend was... I know go off for me the, the way he treated him, the way he spoke about him that day, and we stuck up for Craig. I think 80% of the boys did. But Foster Coglu was probably right because we're probably a wee bit drinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's football, Charlie. That, that's football. 100%. Those things happen. And, and you know what? Your loyalty towards, uh, to, towards Maury. And you made a decision to move on. And we all know what Ange did after that at Brisbane. So it's not about right or wrong. It was probably just a, a vision of Ange 
probably seeing that he wanted to free the dressing room up and, and go a yeah, different oh, and, that, and that's it. And that's it. Oh, here, by the way, the guy's done great. The guy's got a good, well, what I've seen and where he is now, he's got a good football brain, he knows the game. And, and I just wish I, I, I waited maybe another week or two because Ange played me his first game when I came in and played against Newcastle Jets. I played the first game. And then he wanted me to go to Wellington to play. So it, it dropped a, a lot of other boys, but he kept on, he wanted to be involved. So I was like, but I don't made my mind up because I was speaking to Blyberg and um, Palmer, unfortunately. Um, yeah. The worst decision I've ever... Ah, sorry, finish, finish, you go. On you go. No, it was just a, a terrible decision. Terrible decision. Charlie... We're going to have to leave it there, mate. We could we could go on all day, but uh, we've been uh, cracking along for the best part of 40 minutes. Hey, thank you so much for your time guys, today. Sorry some, for some great stories. Charlie, <laughs> brilliant, mate. Thanks, mate. I'll Enjoy that next... Fosters, buddy. Definitely. See you next Sunday, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have you on every week, Charlie, to do it to <laughs> guys, every week. I'm always, I'm always here, guys. Good, <laughs> Good on you, Jay. Enjoy the sun. Thanks, Charlie. I'm here. Cheers, all, Chico. All oh, the best, Cheers, Charlie. Love you guys. <laughs> See you, Charlie. <laughs> oh, dear. And that is us for another week. Join us again. Same time, same place for Shim Spider and so much more next week. Until then, bye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.